0: to have passion in life is everything what's your Everest. Is oh yeah it that 200 inch box they just look so impressive when they're wide especially running away
1: <laughs> welcome to this week's episode of eastman's elevated it's like a think tank for outdoor activity sounds exactly like my
0: hunting just always thinking about it always trying to evolve it and make it better here's your host brian barney hey what's going on guys Got a brand new podcast for you. So, um, this week I have on Hans Madsen. Hans is, um, well, he's a younger generation. I'm trying to get all different walks of life on the podcast. And I really want to reach out to some of these young, passionate hunters that are, you know, learning the tricks and, and paying their dues and being successful and just going out and, and enjoying, you know, adventure. And so, um, Hans, I saw him. He was in the Eastman's Bow Hunting Journal. Um, so he had an article in this issue. Uh, he'd kill a giant bull in there. I really liked his article and thought he'd be a good guest for the podcast. Um, so we got him on. He's really passionate about elk hunting, so we pretty much go back and forth talking elk hunting and tactics and, and theories for an hour. But it's a great conversation. Uh, I really enjoyed it with Hans, and I hope you guys enjoy it too. Sponsor for today's show is Onyx Maps. Uh, Onyx, I say it all the time, but they change the way that I hunt and scout. Uh, it's just an absolutely amazing tool that I have at my fingertips um, all the time. And so when you get a, a subscription to um, their service, you can then um, use it on your cell phone, use it on your computer, use it on your tablet. So you can use it at home or in the field. Uh, even if you don't have service where you're hunting. You can save and catch maps um, in different details so you can get the entire area in one and then you can kind of zoom in at where you're hiking in. Uh, I, I use it non-stop on the hunt to adapt my hunting tactics to, to find deer, to find elk. I'm always, you know, I'll find elk in a certain spot and then What I'll do is I'll transpose, you know, the way that face looks or that canyon or that basin, and I'll look for surrounding basins that are similar, and then I'll go into there and go check it out. Um, I I just use it all the time. They have tons of overlays and features. Uh, They have a, a wildfire burn Overlay, which you just can't get that information anywhere else, or I haven't found it anywhere else. So I can put that overlay on my map and uh, put me in a really good bear spot this year, going into a burn and seeing where the edges were and finding the the neon green grass, and you can do the same thing for elk or deer. Uh, It's just an absolute crazy cool app. Uh, $99 will get you an entire year with all 50 states on it. It's just a, a great deal. Um, they have some other deal. If you just plan on hunting a single state, um, You know they've got a deal for that too. I can't remember if it's 29 or 39 but just a, a, a great program. Make sure to check it out. It's the best mapping program out there. Thanks to Onyx for sponsoring the podcast too. Um, I really appreciate it. It's one of those things I just use all the time. Our other sponsor for today's show is High Mountain Seasonings. So High Mountain Seasonings, they do everything for processing your own game and then you know making your own jerky. That's what I really like is the jerky seasonings. Um, they've got all different flavors, and I'm trying out some new flavors now. I love the old standbys of the teriyaki and three pepper and things of that nature. Um, but I, I've got some new flavors that I'm going to try Um, and I'll I'll let you know what I think of them but um, yeah it's just great to have variety it's a great way to eat your game meat they also have everything for preparing uh, game sticks, pepperoni sticks uh, summer sausage they have all the casings Um, they've got everything for cooking too they've got steak marinades that are just great that you can marinate your steak in and then cook it up and you're good to go you don't even got to think about the seasonings Um, so a great company we really appreciate their support High Mountain Seasonings make sure you check them out and, yeah, over there at Eastman's, um, we're just cruising along. I can't believe we're already into summer. it be fun to see what tags everybody gets here and kind of start planning our hunts for fall. Um, so, yeah, I uh, I did one with uh, Dan um, Picard that I released the other day. I really like having conversations with that guy. Um, you know, and I'll, I'll uh, touch bases with the Eastman's over there. We just had Guy Eastman on that Wolf podcast. Uh, with Aaron Snyder, that was a good one. Uh, we got Guy all fired up, which is always fun to see. And, um, yeah, we just keep cruising along here, putting out good content, putting out good podcasts, good magazines, uh, good films. Um, so, yeah, I'm really excited for the season and see what it holds. and Yeah. Um, kind of get through some of this summer work and get into hunting season. It's coming. I just, I need to get a couple tags. That's what I need to do. Uh, I have hardly drawn a tag across the United States and for every species so far. So maybe I got some good fortune coming my way. I did draw a special Montana elk tag and, you know, I get, I get quite a few over the counter tags. So I'll be fine and have a place to hunt no matter what, but boy, I'd sure like to see one of these Colorado or one of these Wyoming deer tags come through. Uh, really need to line up a high country mule deer hunt um, at least one so um, yeah just really excited at the prospect I'm just uh, uh, biding my time here waiting for draw results to come out as I'm sure you guys are too so I can plan my season but it's creeping up on us two months away Um, you know, I just got through this bear season and time to really ramp up my training. I've been getting in good runs, but, um, yeah, I want to, I want to take it to the next level here. Bo's shooting great, but, um, man, I want to be ready for fall and have the time to go chase things around. So I can't wait, man. It's going to be an awesome season with that. Let's get into this podcast. So Hans Madison, uh, me, your host, Brian Barney Eastman's elevated. Here we go. Okay, hey, I'm live here. I've got Hans Madsen on the on the line. Thanks for being on, Hans. I sure appreciate it.
1: Yeah, no problem. I'm stoked to be here.
0: Yeah, so we were chatting a little bit before the podcast, but congratulations. Um, so you just had an article come out in Eastman's with a bull that you harvested last year.
1: Yeah, I did. Utah bull, over-the-counter too. Um, I w- it was probably one of the most earned hunts I've ever been a part of like it was insane we were we hiked uh, we were like 9 miles in and just me and my one other buddy that was with me at the t- at the weekend and uh yeah it was awesome
0: man so, that's killer yeah what a nice 6 point big mature one like um those things are hard earned and when they're on an over the counter tag It's even harder yet, but there's some really good opportunities out there for over-the-counter hunts. Like, a guy's just got to work at it.
1: Exactly.
0: Yep. and and you're part of that younger generation coming up, um, like, in the information day and age, you know, where there's a lot of information out there, but there's also, like, a lot of guys doing it. Like, you're... You're having to figure it out within the pressure, you know. To where when I kind of started, it wasn't it wasn't as popular, you know. Where uh, where now, it just seems like you got to work harder to find those good spots.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree there. But I I that's what I like the most about it though is like when say you draw a limited entry tag somewhere and you go to a spot and there's a a big population of good mature elk and to me like hunting the over over the counter stuff is you got to earn that like you put in all your work just to find that one you know
0: oh it, it means more right the more yeah, you put much. into it the more oh, yeah, it means to you sure. that, yeah it's um it's that type two fun you know where uh-huh. where you got to grind you got to want it and push mentally and physically but then on the, on the other side of that when you do find success there's no feeling like it
1: yeah that's yep yeah. so and yeah. i figure i figure while i'm young i might as well hit it as hard as i can and put everything i have into it because you know down the road there might be a day i can't when i'm old and i can't do that anymore so
0: Oh, man, that's the truth, yeah. yeah. Uh, when you got youth on your side, it is just cut those legs loose and go for it. But but I think, you know, in life, like, you just continue to work hard to keep in good shape. Man, I think you can hunt hard. Like, that's the, I, the beautiful thing about the sport of archery is you never age out of it.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: Well, and I think the more years and the more experience you get, too, like, the better you get, the more savvy you get, you know, like – um. Uh. You you can use different tools or like, uh, and still put yourself into the game and into elk, you know, using all that experience.
1: Yep. I agree. And, and like, another thing is too, is like going up there for maybe 10 years down the road, I'm probably going to be hunting the same spot I've hunted. I mean, I'm going to know where Oh, these, there's a lot of bulls that like to hang out here this time of year and. A lot of bulls like to hang out this other spot this time of year, and well, I mean, we set cameras up there and stuff, but it it varies during archery season from summer scouting till when it's game time and it's crunch time and ready to go. Like it, the elk vary a lot that at that time of year. I feel like so. Oh, dude, when
0: they like move from summer range to rutting grounds, and then they're just like nomadic by nature, so they've got a circuit of country that they work. That they can be you know fifty square miles or or yeah. you know twenty square miles or whatever the case is, but they have all these basins and drainages that they feel at home at where they have food water security, but they they're always moving through, and so you can have the best spot in the world, but if yeah. you're not there with the right timing, there's no elk there if the conditions yep. aren't right, the weather isn't right, they're yep. not there, and so that's what makes elk so fun is that. Trying to track down those patterns and figure out you know where they at where they're at right now so you can go hunt them.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree. W- weather was definitely on my side last year when I killed the, that six point bull. It was the first like three weekends. It was insanely hot, even up at you know almost eleven thousand feet. It was it was cooking, and the That day I killed him, he, uh, it was like noonish and it just started downpouring like and turned to snow and it was like four hours. The whole, the whole storm lasted like four hours. And right when it let up, like after that, it was like a half hour and that bull was down. He was done. So weather, weather is definitely on your side when you're elk hunting, I, I believe, at least.
0: Either your best friend or your worst enemy, right?
1: Yeah, for sure. <laughs>
0: well, and and it's weird, too. Like, I've had big snowstorms or rainstorms. I've had them fire up elk where they rut really hard. And then I've yep. also had it shut them down, too, where you get a snowstorm in and all of a sudden the bulls aren't hanging with the cows. Like, I've just found that that rut it ebbs and flows like it goes up and down and it's all dependent on those cows coming into estrus. But definitely like you were talking about that three weeks of hot weather, like they just don't, they don't seem like they move as much or rut as hard during that hot weather. You know, they seem Uh, to do more. of their rutting at night, I think.
1: Yeah, I agree. And and that was, I mean, on our truck cameras too, even during those hot, hot days, most of the bulls that we got on trail camera were, nocturnal they were coming through at night they were uh, sticking tight during the day you wouldn't we didn't see much elk the first three weeks I think I I called in one bull and that was the only elk I saw for the first three weeks of the hunt so gotcha
0: yeah it's tough hunting when it's hot and dry like that
1: yeah for sure yeah so
0: um so so do you primarily like to call spot and stalk or Um, you use all of the above or, or what's your tactics when you're going to hunt elk?
1: Um, so it kind of varies for me. I, I mean, I like to think of it as like, if it's, if if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So like, if I'm out there sitting in a meadow and I'm, there's a lot of elk moving through, you know, I'm not going to just sit there and toot on a cow call. I mean, there's no point in it. So, but I do like calling when it's slow that's when i have my best luck calling them in and getting responses is just when like kind of from like 11 o'clock in the morning till around two or three when it's slow i'll break out the call i'll rip a bugle here and there and i tend to get quite a few responses like during that middle middle of the day and Hmm. i think a lot i think a lot of people overlook that
0: i think you're right um yeah, because they will get fired up in the middle of the day and get rotten. Like they, they bring those cows to their bedroom and kind of yeah. bed down, and sometimes they'll continue to bugle, but a lot of times it wanes off. But. Yeah. It's amazing. I've seen bulls that get so fired up where there's nothing going on. You can't see an elk. And all of a sudden there's just this bull going nuts down below, yep. you know, in the middle of the day running around bugling, you know, and then it'll find some timber again and bed down. But yeah, that's interesting. So that's like a really good tactic, right? The yeah. For you is the middle of the day, you continue yep. to travel country and ridgelines and then blow bugles into these drainages and just try to get an answer somewhere. Just try to locate yeah. a bull in the middle of the day. Yep. God, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. See, I do primarily spot and stock, and I called a bunch in my younger years, and we started killing, you know, we were killing bulls, but we ended up calling in a lot of satellites. They really come in on pins and needles. Like,. So, so I really got addicted to the spot and stock game, especially for big bulls and not letting okay. them know I'm there. And, yeah. and I also, I hunt like a bunch of really high pressure It's kind of like where you do. But, you know, I, I do think that the best tactic is what you're talking about where, You know, you're you're you use all the tactics you have in your toolbox, whether it's calling to locate, whether you know, it's spot and stock when they're they're on edge or when you see that scenario go down. Like I think if you could use everything, cow sounds, bull sounds, and have a great understanding of it, like like that'd be the best overall elk hunter out there.
1: Yeah. I, I agree.
0: Yeah. I get caught oh. in my ways and I get caught. I just do a lot of spot and stock. I like to hunt them in their feeding features or coyote the herd to their bedroom and then mm-hmm. wait for that bull to start milling around his cows or whatever look for my opportunity to get in. But um, yeah. there is nothing more thrilling than elk hunting, man. It is as good yeah. as it gets.
1: I I agree. There's, I mean that's, that's my favorite way to hunt them is call them in, have them right 10, 15 yards in your face screaming that's that's like I swear that's why I was born like so <laughs> yeah dude favorite. it doesn't
0: get any more exciting than that yeah, yeah. it and it's um there's a lot to it though even calling them in like, I think it's a really good opportunity to kill them, um, because you call him into close ranges where you can shoot yeah. at him. But, man, uh-huh. do they come in on pins and needles looking yep. for that cow or looking for the source of that sound. And so, like, I think a lot of it, you have to make sure you're set up in a right spot, like in the right yep. spot where he's got to come check you out and expose himself. Wouldn't you agree?
1: Yeah. I, I would definitely agree. And just like everyone else says, wind is, is key, like – if your wind's bad you're you've really got no shot unless I don't know if he has a a broken sniffer or something I don't know <laughs> so
0: wind is king and it busts more stocks in elk country than anything doesn't it those yeah, swirling it, mountain winds are just a killer. Yeah. you finally it, locate a bowl you finally get a play. And the wind might even be steady the whole time you're checking it, and then you drop down in there and swirls yep. around, and you're you're busted. You got to go locate a different elk.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So
0: I, I work so hard, man. At like just um, like trying to have a higher knowledge of what the winds are doing. So, yeah when i'm in the mountains like i'm constantly paying attention to the directional winds and then i'm constantly paying attention to what the thermal's winds are doing and and of course you know as the sun shines on the valley floor and warms up that air that air starts to rise and makes its way through draws and and then you know in the evening when that the, those mountains start to get shaded that air cools and then drops down so those are the thermals and then the directionals and i i always like to play on a hillside where the directional is blowing on that hillside like i hate lee wind sides where say yeah. you're hunting the north but the wind's coming from the south and just coming over top that ridge and swirling down there but man i just like try to have a higher understanding of the winds because it's everything when you're when you're bow
1: hunting yeah i agree your home, homework that's your homework's key when you when you're hunting when you're trying to hunt a mature animal, just animal in general, really. So Well and that's the that, worst
0: feeling in the world is when you locate a big bowl in a drainage. And and you're starting to move in on them, and you check your wind checker, and it's just going every freaking direction. It's going left, it's going right, it's going down, it's going up. Like, you're totally lost. You're just like, oh, man, what should I do? Should I back out? Should I go in? And you finally got one located. You want to make a play. But you're just better off. If the winds aren't right, like, you just try to – like, I try to – keep on the edge of them or i call it coyoting yeah. them or shadowing uh-huh. them yeah. and try to stay away keep my wind good and just kind of keep with the herd and keep with them until they move to a spot and like man those winds are going to change like around 9 10 in the morning when those thermals start to get consistent like it it's gonna change and get better like just i just find yeah. myself a lot of times just going no it's not right the winds aren't right you know
1: yeah and you really only need maybe i mean just a small window to get it done too it'll a lot of times it'll quit there for a while and then it'll come back but you really only need like a you know depending on how far he is but maybe 20 30 minute went uh, window and you can seal the deal you know yeah. i that's, that's what I always like to do if if I don't feel comfortable you know with wind or or whatever it is I back out and give it a little time and think about it at least. It's not worth blowing blowing your whole. You guys wouldn't blow your whole hunt, but blowing it on a potential bull you you could kill. You know,
0: man, so. I'm I'm with you. But that's so much easier said than done, isn't it? To actually yeah. back out and think about it—that's like For the sure. smart move to make. But you have to really convince yourself of it, you know, because you want to just go in and see what's going to happen. But yeah. just time after time of going in and on a shifty win or on a win that is less than perfect, and you go in there and you end up busting the herd. Like, yeah. like you you do that so many times, and you think, okay, I gotta back out this time.
1: Yeah, and you never know how far they're gonna go too. Elk move, hey they'll cruise for days so. oh
0: man it's tough to get a second play on them once you bump them usually yeah. like elk they relocate you know miles away like i yeah. i've actually had luck so i've had luck um i've busted elk before and like um say something went wrong or something and i've actually uh-huh. jogged to keep up with the herd and i i yeah. jog and I'll get to the ridgeline right as they're cresting the next ridgeline. And then I run to that ridgeline, then they're cresting the next one. And I yeah. keep trailing them, almost jogging after the herd. And they uh-huh. do go back to being elk again. Like they just might travel, you know, it depends on the terrain, but it's all of five, six miles they'll travel before they even calm down or start slowing down. But uh-huh. but you actually can keep with the herd and then relocate them and, and get a place sometimes, you know.
1: Yeah. So do you do you listen to Ryan Carter at all? Do you know who Ryan Carter is?
0: I don't. Name sounds familiar, though.
1: So he's a guide with – he's here in Utah with DC Outfitters. But anyway, I listen to a lot of his podcasts, and he is an elk fanatic, like to a T. And uh, I was listening to one podcast they were doing, and he said most of the time when elk will come back, like – he has found a way to pattern bulls where he'll get them on camera, no leave and they'll come back like two weeks later like almost on the dot and he was saying, you know they've been they were on a hunt and blew out of stock and that bull was there two weeks later. He came right back right into his same routine so I was I always keep that in mind too. I like to learn you know from other people as well i i've learned a lot just from listening to other people's podcasts on their perspective of things
0: yeah man um i think that's the key like i think you're like just constantly learning trying to gather information from other other hunters that have success yeah man i'm I'm with you. It's the information day and age, but yeah, I think you can yeah. learn something from anybody out there. And I think you can apply it to your hunting and shorten your mm-hmm. own learning curve. Like I think yeah. it's, it's super smart. Um, but but yeah, it just it, that goes back to what I was saying earlier. The, like those elk have a circuit of country that they're comfortable with, and so that yeah. bull gets busted out. So he works the next few drainages. He keeps working around, and within two weeks, he makes the loop again, where he's right back in that drainage he feels comfortable with. So yeah. I mean, that makes really good sense to me. What uh, Mr. Carter? What did you say his first name was?
1: His name's Ryan Carter. Ryan
0: yeah. Carter. Yeah. What Ryan he's Carter from was from Southern him.
1: Utah. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yep. And I also think elk have different habits in in different different country and habitat too.
1: Yeah. I mean like it it obviously does just make sense. If they feel safe in one spot, they're gonna come back no matter what, really. Unless I guess if someone else kills them. But that's usually how it goes. So
0: Yeah, well and doesn't like once you hunt elk enough and you go into these drainages and you learn where they like you see elk on the same features or using the same saddles or using yep. the same trails through country like they have a way that they like to roll through country you know they have a way yeah. they navigate through they have feeding features they like they have bedding timber that they like but it just seems like where you find what? elk like, like that's where you find them again. They, they'll use those same habits. They've been doing it for hundreds of thousands of years. Not hundreds of yeah. thousands, but hundreds and thousands uh, yeah. of years using these same trails and these same travel corridors. And so, yeah, they're creatures of habit. So where yeah. you find elk once, like on a bedding bench in the timber, you'll find elk there again. Like that's a spot to remember.
1: Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. I actually uh, – so 2017 – I uh, I drew a limited entry um, beaver tag down in southern Utah for archery. And actually, on one of our scouting trips, it was a week before the hunt started, um, we were down glassing this huge canyon, nasty, probably some of the nastiest stuff I've been in. But anyway, we, we were glassing these elk and we glassed up this pretty freaking good bull, like, and... I was pretty dead set on him. I was like, and I was with my dad and uh, I was like, dad, I think, I think we should hunt this next weekend on the opener. I want like, I want to kill that bull. Just a freak five point, just a giant, like, like he's just, I don't know. He's just weird looking almost. But anyway, we kept looking around, didn't find anything that sparked my interest. I would say, other than him and came back opening morning and he was in the like exact same spot feeding. And I actually hiked down there on opening morning and actually killed him in like a half hour after sh- shooting light. And he was, he was dead like in 45 minutes, the first 45 minutes of the hunt.
0: Oh, wow. So, exact same place. You'd scouted him.
1: Exact. Yeah. Same, same clearing and everything. Like he, <laughs> From where we had saw him a week before, he was probably standing ten feet away from where we saw him the week before.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, sometimes they just get comfortable where they're living, don't they? And yeah. and unless they get bumped, they stay in that drainage or that canyon. And even though talk about a circuit of country, like they 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 all do different deals, don't they? And if they've got yeah. everything they need right there and no pressure and cows, you know, why would they yeah. leave?
1: Yeah, if there's if there's food, water, and a sunny hillside and there's no pressure, they don't have a reason to move really. So, yeah,
0: God dang it. Yeah. That's, um, I, I really like that, that beaver unit too. I've applied for that. I haven't hunted it myself, but I sure like that
1: country. Oh, nice. How many, how many points do you have for that? Um, let's
0: see, I'm sitting, I, you know, just a couple on elk. Um, I, I've really traveled a ton hunting mule deer and, and okay. elk were just like, a. Uh, kind of like the, the next step up financially. Well, and I'm, I'm an elk. Well, I guess I'm anything. They let me hunt with my bow and I am fired yeah. up to hunt elk everywhere, but I'm just now starting to travel to, to different States and, and hunt elk okay. every year in different places. So I actually haven't hunted elk in Utah. I, I have hunted like around where you're at. I've hunted that Wasatch front for muleys down there. Um, but that's been about it in Utah. Okay. Yep. I see. But I want to if you guys got some good elk down there. It's just, you know, it's it's tough to get those premium tags down there. You know,
1: it's tough. You're you're gonna wait, but it it's worth it for sure, in my mind. It's definitely worth the wait, so
0: Yep. Well, I I'm in for the wait. Yeah. We get some good hunting here in Montana, some good over the counter in Idaho um, draw a Wyoming tag every once in a while. Um, so yeah, now there's some good hunting out there. I'd love to draw. I've never drawn an Arizona or New Mexico. I've been applying for those for um, years and haven't drawn one down there. I'd love to draw one of those one of these days.
1: Yeah. That'd be sweet. That'd be awesome. God, they built some big ones there. Yeah. 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 I'm freaking stoked for this year. There's, there's a lot on my agenda that I need to get, done this year so for Elkwise. Nice. I have a I have a buddy coming down I actually met while I was going to school up in Montana and he's actually coming down for a week to hunt with me and I'm gonna kinda show him the ropes a little bit. We're gonna spend a week up in the mountains in the back oh, country. Right yeah, good good so. for
0: you guys. In Utah there?
1: Yep, in Utah. Nice. Yeah so he's a... gonna, he's going to make the trip down so
0: man that's awesome yeah good for you it's um yeah. it's it's really fun to to hunt and share that with good buddies isn't it
1: yeah it's nothing beats it really
0: yeah shared experience and you guys got a week um, which is fun, you know. Like a guy yeah. battles uh, being a weekend warrior, and you're just you just never have a, a, quite enough time. But
1: uh-huh. it seems
0: like when you have a week, you can really get in the groove of the hunt and get uh-huh. comfortable with hunting elk. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. How cool. Yeah. yeah. You guys got some good hunting down there. Um. Yeah. The they uh, they rut pretty hard down in Utah, don't they? I guess everywhere, right?
1: Um. I guess it depends. Some some places more than others. I think they. I don't know it's weird. Last year was weird. It was a weird year. It was hot. They didn't rut much during during the hunt last year. But then again, we don't really get to hunt the heart of the rut here in Utah. We hunt um, from about the middle of August to you know like the sec- first or second week of September. So we don't even really get that peak rut like like Idaho does or Montana.
0: Oh, that's right! I totally yeah. forgot about that. Yeah, that's what I was getting to. It opens early, like yeah, like it's a, like August fifteenth or something. Yeah,
1: so, something like that.
0: Yep. So that's so. where that like trail cameras come uh, pay huge yep. dividends is knowing where those bulls are summering at.
1: Yeah. Yep.
0: Yep. So do you get a lot of play on bulls that are um, like in that early season where they're not really uh, rutting, but kind they're of
1: pre-rut? Yeah. yeah. Yep. Huh. But it's weird though, like a lot of the bulls I call that I have called in um, early like say first or second week of the hunt they usually come in silent they don't make a sound
0: absolutely that's what i found yeah. too that early pre rut they come in without making a sound so you yep. almost got to make your setup and then just wait you know 10 yep. 15 minutes before you move because it seems like so many times you just get ready to move and all of a sudden that bull's standing there looking right at you
1: <laughs> yep <laughs> yeah. And so, good
0: bulls will come in silent too.
1: Yeah, it's big mature herd bulls, yeah. They'll if they're not feeling it they'll they won't make a sound.
0: I've always right. thought that early season, that good pre-rut was you got a really good chance to kill a big mature bull. It's before he has his cows and, yeah. um, you know, like a lot of times when they're getting together to sort all those things out. But when he's looking for cows like that and by himself, he's just real susceptible to kill because some of the hardest things on those big herd bulls is just all the cows that he has. And then he doesn't want to leave them to come check you out ever. You know, he he's uh, just going to stay with his cows and defend them.
1: Yeah. He has he has one thing on his mind when it's when he's rotten. And that's his ladies. Yeah, so. it's, it's not
0: me in the brush. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, well, and I notice a lot of times too. You know, you got to catch those herd bulls in the right mood, like calling those things in. I mean, it's one of the reasons why I like to spot and stalk because you know you you always have a play on those bulls. But those those big mature herd bulls, like you, really got to catch them in the right mood in the right scenario you know, to be able to call them in or call them away from those cows. But it seems like spotting and stalking, you can kind of play the game with them down in there and keep moving around the herd, trying to position yourself. And, uh, and then, you know, he'll just check out those cows. He'll work his way around the herd again or you try to cut off the herd. But yeah, that's uh, been, it's been a really good tactic for me.
1: Yeah. It's tough when they got a lot of cows. There's that many more eyes on you. It, it can be good, too it can be good and it can also be really bad but i'm i'm always willing to take my chance because you you really never know yeah
0: you got to roll the dice you got to go get into elk like you could sit back and watch him forever and and uh, a lot of people are are tentative on elk when like i just you know you can't stalk recklessly or you can't be reckless where they're going to catch you but you got to go get in into them and see if you can make something happen
1: exactly you can't you can't kill them just sitting back there watching them so
0: Ah, gotta get into them see what you can do Um, yeah yeah they sure are fun to hunt and we hunt them a lot um montana we have an october bow season like our bow season this year goes to like october 20th and uh uh, man i have some of my best elk hunting in october like they still rut really hard with those second cycle estrus cows you know the Uh the cows that didn't get bred the first time around and they they seem to get like really get grouped up like instead of you know herd with with 20 cows in a bull or 10 cows uh-huh. in a bull or whatever it'll be like 100 cows and like six bulls like yeah. they're they just start traveling in these big groups trying to catch those cows coming in second cycle um uh-huh. man it can like you say it can be really challenging with that many eyes but boy it can be good
1: yeah for sure
0: yep so- and and we get like, uh, quite a bit of snow here in October too. Yeah. And, um, that seems to really push the elk down to like, um, to not quite their winter range, but the, the same range that you'd see them at where you're like picking sheds in the springtime uh-huh. or whatever. Okay. They, they have these spots that they like to migrate out to when the weather gets nasty. And so every year we get at least one of these big snowstorms, and it, it kicks so many elk to these spots that are like winter rain spots and it you know guys aren't really keyed into them because they haven't been hunting elk there all year and all of a sudden you get a snow and they just show up and the hunting can be just insane when they do that yeah yeah do you get weather pushing them around where you hunt or is it just too oh, early yeah. and yep
1: No, well we're like i said we're a little early but you know like on the rifle side of things yes you'll you'll get crapped on with snow <laughs> hunting up really about anywhere during the rifle elk season it gets it's that's when it's starting to cool off here it's probably about the same as where you're at you guys probably get a little more snow but anyway
0: yeah it just depends how that weather cycle goes through so yeah you guys get that that same stuff have you ever hunted um elk in that late season that utah offers
1: um no I think that's I think they mostly do the late season that's just kind of limited entry type stuff if that's what you're meaning
0: yeah I thought they had like I thought the wasatch was over the counter if you didn't fill oh, your elk tag or yes
1: I... yeah you can hunt the extended um I think it goes when does that go I think it I can't remember when it starts but it goes till I think the end of the year I want to say or, or sometime in December Okay. But no, I I've, I've never hunted. it. I've wanted to, but it's golly, it's tough. Oh yeah. On the, on the front, it's it's not impossible, but it's tough. So,
0: yeah. Well, I've been like bow exclusive for like the last uh, maybe 15 years or so. And uh-huh. I just I love chasing big six points and so, you know, usually I'll get mine during the rut or during the October, get a nice bull, but um okay. I, I fell in love when I was younger, like hunting with – in Montana, they'll let us hunt with a bow, and then they'll let us hunt with a rifle if we didn't get an elk. And before I made the transition to bow only, I'd hunt rifle uh, for elk around here, and it's really tough. Like it's uh, more high pressure. There's a lot – it's a general season with a rifle, um, yep. but the, the bulls really tighten up their program. They don't show themselves much. Uh, they They live – you know, in nasty country where they're just coming out and shoots and slides to eat. But it was some of the funnest hunting and deep snow and cold and wall tent and fires and, and vantage points and looking like, God dang it, it was fun, man, hunting that late season. <laughs> like, I think it's just as cool of an experience as hunting them during the rut is hunting them during that, that late season. And we got really good at it and really good at it turning up and harvesting really good bulls. Um, but, but those have always been great memories and I still get out with my family or get out with friends and hunt that, that late elk, you know, where they'll carry a rifle or whatever and I'll help out,
1: Uh, but I
0: really enjoy it. And it's got me thinking about like some of the archery opportunities for elk in the late season and down there in Arizona, like you can draw some of those premium units and now they offer like a late season archery hunt in them. And yeah. they're, they're fairly easy to draw where you don't got to put in for 20 years. And, and really you just want to put yourself in those units that have those big bulls. Now uh-huh. I've heard sometimes they get busted up. It's way tougher. They're not rutting, you know? And so you got to have a place where you can glass and kind of look for them. But it's uh-huh. like, I, I cut my teeth on that late season elk. It's really got me thinking of changing my application strategy and like taking on some of that late season elk. And like for uh-huh. a guy like you that loves to hunt elk so much, you know, like um, like I love the November muley rut, but that might be like a good option for you. Is like that yeah. late season Arizona elk, like taking on that yeah. challenge and trying to find a big one down there.
1: Yeah, I, yeah, oh, that's that's on my agenda for next year is to do a few out of state elk hunts. So like just over the counter probably, but that's that's my goal for 2020 is. At least two elk hunts out of state. Yeah, it's, it's
0: killer, man. Like, um, yeah. I just think the more places you can hunt, like the different habitats that you can find elk in, the different mountain ranges you can take on, like going back to yeah. what you said, like you enjoy the challenge of it and how difficult it is, like figuring out a new place – in a new mountain range is like as fun as it gets. And so like, I've just found myself over the years, I haven't traveled as much for elk, but I have, I've traveled all across the state of Montana and gone Uh down to Idaho and hunted. There's just so many different places to hunt them, but I think it really sharpens your skills as an elk hunter, like being able Uh to go to these different places
1: and figure it out. Yeah. And it, their habitat varies from state to state so much. Like I'm, I'm up in Idaho not a ton, but frequently during this time of year, finding shit, picking up sheds and, you know, we'll, we'll see elk up there and there. And up there, they're in like, you know, like cedar trees and desert. And then I come down, down by where I'm at and I'll see elk up in, you know, the pines and, and stuff like that. But it, it's kind of, it's kind of cool to see, how much it varies between state to state like Arizona they're down in you know the dry desert type stuff and I don't know it just sparks my interest a lot
0: yeah that's the key man you hunt them all the way from the high country to the desert floor and everywhere in between some of my my favorite places to hunt like I love here in Montana like the Missouri breaks and it's not a typical place you'd hunt elk but you know it's just full of good six points and they're running around that breaks country and they've Uh You know these elk they adapt to their environment and so by living there for hundreds of years like they they adapt to it and know how uh-huh. to travel through it and where to get feed but it's just different when you go to that breaks country cuz it's not like being in the mountains where you can uh-huh. look at a meadow and go that's an elk meadow like the whole yeah. thing is an elk meadow they can <laughs> yeah. be in every square okay. inch of it so like yeah. you just got to got to work your way through it to different vantage points and try to find them and try to locate them but yeah, it's definitely like a totally different style of elk hunting. But you yeah, know, I love them. I love them all. I love them both. You know.
1: Yeah, I've actually been up to the breaks in Montana looking at elk once.
0: Oh, it's a cool well, place, isn't it?
1: Well, winter, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, there's it's, some slammer bulls up there in the winter. Yeah, wintering there, it's uh, insane.
0: Yeah, and during the rut, there's some good yeah. bulls around for sure. Yeah, they grow, yeah. they grow next level there, and. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they get really smart to their environment, and those elk in the brakes are such high pressure elk. Like they give nineteen hundred bow tags for that spot in there, and so Holy. those those elk know what a human is and yeah. and know how to avoid them. And so they're like a different elk. Like they're they're so high pressure, they maybe get bumped twenty times through a season, or thirty times through a season, where a normal elk may get bumped you know, just a handful of times. And so yeah. they're really looking for you out there. So yeah. you, you got to be on your game to kill those bulls out there.
1: Yeah, I, it's insane. It's kind of weird to think about that kind of stuff too. You don't, just, well, just when you're out elk hunting, you don't really think about that kind of stuff. Oh, how many how many times has this bull you think seen a human? Or even, you know, if if you're clear back in the back country, they may never have seen a human. You never know.
0: Yeah, man, they're like a different elk. Like these yeah. these elk in like the the mountains I hunt and some of the more remote mountains in here. Totally different elk than a brakes elk. You can get away with so much more. Just even around yeah. the cows and around the bulls. Like they're just not used to getting pressured all the time. And they're just more concerned with their feeding and the rut and what's going on around them. They just don't seem like they're watching out for humans as much, but you can get away with way more, you know, as far as, like, crossing meadows or sneaking through the timber or just what they'll catch and what you can get away with as they're moving, you know. It's, it's amazing. Uh, it's, like, a totally different species. Yeah. So, but yeah, no, it's, um, you find mature bulls in, in, in either spot, whether it's the mountains or the breaks or the desert, but it is fun to go take on the challenge. And, um, it takes a lot of time and effort like you spent to learn a spot and, um, you know, it, it seems like, uh, every year you're, you're gathering more information of what the elk are doing.
1: Yeah. And I think too, um, depending on what your, what your classification is as of, a a mature bull like for me myself a mature bull for me is you know three three thirty let's say three twenty three thirty there's a lot of mature bulls that i you know in my mind they're everywhere you just got to work for it there's a lot more around than people really think like it's it's nuts i think yeah you You don't you you... just got to put the time in
0: Dude, I totally believe it'll,
1: that. It'll pay off.
0: Yeah, I believe trophies of all kinds, like um mule deer, elk, like there there's um there there's trophy bowls in, in so many units all across the West and over the counter units, draw units, like you name it. But if you put in the the work and the effort, you can find those next level bowls for sure. And they live in more places then, then like you said, more places than guys realize, like there's, yeah. there's trophy bulls in, in, dang near every unit across the West. You just got to yep. put in your time and effort hunting them. Exactly. Yeah.
1: And, and I'm, I came from a baseball family and I grew up playing baseball. Actually, that's where I did my school was in Montana, Miles City, Montana. Okay. Um, at a junior college. And a lot of that. Uh, when I say you gotta work for it and it'll pay off, that's where it comes from is me playing baseball, but it's trend it's translated over to my hunting and it's I think it's made me a better hunter, honestly, just my attitude about things.
0: Oh, I guarantee it, dude. I come from yeah. like a wrestling background, and after I you know finished wrestling I was just looking for something and I'd always hunted. But yeah, I just I transitioned that same work ethic and that same mental attitude and approach where I've I've absolutely con, you know, I I've committed my whole entire life to bow hunting, whether that's yeah. elk or mule deer. I mean, I train absolutely year round. It's all I think yeah. about, it's all I prepare for. And yeah, it, it equals into consistent success, consistent success on six point bulls with my bow on, on big mature mule deer with my bow antelope, like it translates to all the hunting I do. So for sure, man, you are on the right path. Like, Like taking that same approach that you had in baseball and applying it to hunting and really applying it to life in all facets of life, whether that's your job or your family or being Mm -hmm. a father or being a husband. Like attacking life that way, it's a successful recipe um, for a fulfilling life. I really believe that, man.
1: Yeah, I Definitely agree
0: with you. So. Yeah, no, yeah, you got to put in the work, and and you got to, um, you know, in that work, like when you break that down, like what is working hard? Well, yeah, going uh-huh. hard during season, you know, but it, it just like, um, working hard with everything, with your bow mm-hmm. and with your shooting, and and not just shooting at arrows in the backyard, but really trying to improve and get better and be uh-huh. the best shot you can be. Your physical fitness, you know, is
1: yeah, like exactly.
0: you, you just um. Being in the absolute best shape you can be and not just maintaining mm-hmm. a jog here or there, but pushing your level, seeing what you're capable of. And and uh, through that and through that struggle, you build this mental toughness. And through these tough hunts and teaching yourself that you can be successful, like you arrow in that bowl in the over-the-counter unit last year, like uh, this year you get to draw from that hunt. And all the success yeah. I've had over the years, I mm-hmm. get to draw from those tough hunts where I've had 20 days into hunting elk and I end up – you know, arrow in a really nice six point bull. Like I get to draw from that and I take those experiences and it just calluses your mind. It makes you so tough where, where you, you don't, you stop at nothing. Like you, you put everything into it and, and you're going to see success and you believe in it. It gives you confidence mm-hmm. in the mountains, but man, it's, it's the key to success. It really
1: is. Yeah. I, yeah. But I, I mean, if hunting, if hunting was easy and it was just, you could just go out anywhere on the, over-the-counter tag and shoot a, a mature bull and it was just given to you it wouldn't be any fun for me that's the whole the whole thing about hunting for me is i love it because you earn every every bit of it
0: yeah man that's why i like it too the challenge yeah if it yeah, was exactly. easy i would have given up and found something else you know yeah.
1: no one would no one would like it if If it
0: was easy. Yeah. Well, and and the deal is, is no matter how hard you work and how good you get, it just can't be perfected. There's just so many variables there, you know, it's like, um, it, it, and it's like you're in this constant evolution, even as a hunter, even, you know, I've been working, I've been bow hunting for 25 years I'm still evolving to this day I'm still getting better and I think that's what captured me too is that you you just never hit your limit uh, of knowledge you never you never reach the top you can just always keep improving Um, yeah yeah man I'm right with you we're cut from the same cloth like that's the fun of it
1: yeah and I've, I've had a lot of conversations about you know the I've only shot two elk in my whole life um and you know both really really good bulls but i've had a lot of conversations with people that they're like oh i've been i've been hunting for this long and i've never killed a bull like that and you're just lucky and god when people tell me that it you know it gets my blood boiling cuz i mean yeah maybe i maybe i got a little lucky but i still have to put myself in that position you know to seal the deal it's not just given to me you know yeah, I you still have to put myself yeah. in the position to do, to do, to be successful. So.
0: Yeah, I've always believed. You create your own luck, and you create exactly, it through hard yeah. work. Like, yeah. like, yeah, I may have caught a little luck here or there, but it's only because I was out there every single day grinding. Like, eventually, yeah, just, like, the odds are karma, just in my yeah. favor. Yeah, yeah, man. Exactly. Uh, um, that's totally it. Well, you know, as you have consistent success year after year, like Montana, the success rate on a bowl um, is 6% with your bow and arrow. Well, oh. all of a sudden, when I start going – 10 or 15 years in a row killing a six point bull all of a sudden you can't call that luck like that's just hard exactly. work, dedication and discipline like you yeah. you can look at the odds like you you can't the odds wouldn't make sense to kill that many bulls with a bow you uh-huh. know, that many years in a row so yeah man you make your own luck
1: for sure yeah
0: yeah how cool man well um yeah i'm all fired up to go hunt elk now after talking to you um it's gonna be a fun season isn't it
1: yeah for sure
0: yeah right on well um congrats again on your article in Eastman's um a really good article it's out in the bow hunting journal this month um man what a what a great six point had to feel so good to arrow that bull
1: it was awesome man and I was there with one of my best friends Hayden and golly, I don't know if I would have wanted to be in uh be there with anybody else really and he's he's a trooper he didn't even get a shot at a bull up there that weekend and Man, he was he was a good sport about it and helped me get him out. I actually, funny story, real quick. Actually, I that bull last year, we were so far back in there and we had shot him, packed him down to camp, uh, and we're like, God, we're, it's gonna take us three days to get this thing out, and you know, in our camp. And we started started on the trail for our first trip, and we ran into a guy with horses. He's from. He's around Vernal area. His name's Austin. And uh, I went over to him, you know, just a shot in the dark. And I was like, hey, man, like, any way you want to help me out and help me get this elk out of here? And he said, yeah, but I'm actually up here with some guys. Um, I'm renting my horses out to them, but I might, like, I'll have to charge you a little bit just to make up for their, the money they're paying me to rent my horses. And I'm like, yeah, no problem, man. So, we, he actually ended up, uh, helping us out and we were out, out of there in a day with everything. So, oh man, that's killer. That, it's crazy too, cause I'd, I'd never met the guy in my life. I just walked right up to him, started talking to him. I actually Venmoed him the money after the fact, like the next week later. And I still talk to him like pretty frequently, actually. It's pretty crazy the, the people you can meet in the hunting world. It's, pretty
0: awesome yeah good human beings right yeah yeah that is so cool yeah a lot of times like I think it's good to line up a packer before season and I don't want to feed a horse all year or mess with the horse like I can backpack anywhere but even like if you can line up a packer for 300 bucks to pack out your elk like he just meets you in there that is so nice because elk are just so heavy and and by yourself solo when you kill one way in the heck back in there man you're in for some work
1: yeah, but I'm definitely going to have one lined up this year for sure. So
0: Oh, good for you. Yeah, um, horses were meant for elk hunters, I think, you know, for getting those bulls out of country.
1: And I, I don't want to
0: have them myself, but I sure appreciate right. the guys that do.
1: Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Right on. So.
0: Well, dude, it was really fun to talk to you about elk. We got to keep in touch and see how you do this season.
1: Okay, sounds good, man. I appreciate it.
0: Have you back on when you kill that big seven by.
1: Okay, sounds good. <laughs> right that's right that's on. on the to-do list.
0: All right. So. Well, thanks, Hans. I appreciate it
1: okay
0: have a good one all right guys that's an episode yeah um thanks to Hans for being on the podcast yeah just that um new younger generation trying to get them on and um gets their thoughts and theories on hunting and what fires them up and their motivation and so just a fun in-depth conversation with Hans um talking over things so yeah um I really enjoyed it thanks to him again and for being on uh sponsor for today's show uh Onyx Maps uh, Onyx just changes the way I hunt and scout. Um, it is quite possibly the most important tool I use for scouting and hunting. Um, I mean, yeah, you could you you could make a case for my binoculars or my bow, but man, that Onyx, it just uh, puts me on public. It keeps me on public, uh, lets me look at the terrain, um, just lets me dissect my hunting area and really look for quality spots. So I can't say enough good things about their app. I'm learning stuff about it all the time. Um, it's got this really cool feature now where you can send waypoints to buddies and even if they don't have on X, they can open it up and see where you're at. So if you're meeting in the back country or you want to meet on a backcountry road, it's just so handy to, to send over a waypoint and then you guys both meet there. I could have used that years ago. Um, gosh, trying to draw a, a map on a napkin for my buddy Dan to come meet me in this gnarly mountain range of where I'm camping, um. You know, if Dan wasn't so tough and so knowledgeable in the backcountry, gosh, we could have, we could have been um, not even seen each other for five days back there. But if you have a waypoint, excuse me, you can just put that on there, and then it's a done deal. But yeah, it's so many great features. Thanks to Onyx Maps for sponsoring the podcast. Uh, also, want to thank. Um, I also want to thank uh, High Mountain Seasonings. They just do a great job with their seasonings. I love their jerky seasonings. I've been using those like crazy. Get everything you need for pepperoni, summer sausage, and then steak marinades. And and then they've also got some butchering equipment in there, so make sure to check that out. And uh, yeah, over there at Eastman's, we're cruising along. I think we still got that promo code, so it's a heck of a deal, so for a subscription to the um, the Eastman's Hunting Journal and the Eastman's Bow Hunting Journal. That's just a, a wealth of knowledge from staff articles to, um, you know, our subscriber articles to the 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 members research section, which just gives you so much information on different states. It's a great deal. You can still get it, I believe, on that promo code if you text Elevated three one nine to two two eight two eight, and that'll get you a subscri- subscription to both magazines. And I believe gets you a 2018 copy of the MRS, which is a hard book copy. Hard uh, book copy, I guess that's right. Uh, I was thinking that it's a great book that you can set on your coffee table. So I guess I got copy and coffee. We're starting to connect there. But, um, yeah, it's just a great deal. Um, so you can still text that in. And... Uh, with that, yeah, just reeling from this bear season. Um, what a great bear season. Um what some some thrilling hunts I had, and then that stock on that blonde boar and the the shot, it was just so crazy cool. Um just really fortunate and, and happy to harvest them and um gosh, it's it's just been a, a fun bow season so far. So yeah, now just getting ready for the next hunts. I got my buddy Dan coming in tonight. I'll see if I can get him back on the podcast i gotta think of a subject to talk over but uh dan's great on the podcast great buddy of mine we always have fun so i'll get him on the mic tonight or tomorrow night but yeah i'm gonna hunt bears with him for a few days oh i got a buddy of mine clint that i think's gonna come in for a couple three days so i'll do a little bear hunt with those guys work's been crazy just trying to keep up at work and get things done and get things taken care of and and um so yeah, it's it's um, all good, but yeah, just busy and and uh, training, and so I'll hunt with these guys, see if we can't um, record some podcasts here and um, get on some more bears and and uh, close out this season right. And uh, it's just um, it's back at it, just training like an absolute madman. I cannot wait for this fall; it's gonna be so fun. Um, so yeah, just starting to plan out my season. Hopefully, I can draw a couple tags here and. Um, and I'm not just all over the counter, but, um, whatever it is, it is, I'll be hunting this fall. I can guarantee that. And, um, so I'm super excited. I know you guys are super excited too. Thanks a million for all the support. Jeez, we are building a great community. I'm just, I am overwhelmed at the support. Um, I see guys reposting things, reposting the podcast a lot, sharing it with their buddies, Um, you know, guys being successful, like on bears after that bear podcast and shouting out, um, Eastman's elevated. I just appreciate it so much. Um, I saw Cameron Haynes shouted out the podcast the other day. Um, just wild that guy's got a ton of passion for bow hunting and has for years and was an inspiration when I, when I first really dove into it. And so to have him, uh, liking the content, reposting it is amazing. Um, you know, God, we, we've had some, um, yeah, it's just, it's just great, all the support. I really feel like we're growing this into to something sustainable and um, something valuable for you guys. And so uh, I'm just so proud of the podcast and, and um, so proud of you guys at your success. And it, you know, it's all comes from your hard work and discipline and dedication. And, um, I just love seeing it. So yeah, it's really cool. Um, I just couldn't be happier with the podcast and the support and support off social media. So thanks to you guys. Um, that's the only way a podcast grows is if you guys like it and then share it with your friends, share it with your family and tell them about it. And, um, there's so many good podcasts out there nowadays. It's tough to separate yourself. And, um, I just love having, um, passionate passionate listeners that love to, to bow hunt and love the content that we're putting out and sharing it so it just it absolutely means the world to me guys i i can't overstate it um so thanks a million uh yeah that's that's a wrap that's the episode um keep working hard towards your goals hunting season is two months away can you believe that let me see if that's right june july yeah two months away i'll be hunting in august just absolutely crazy. So keep working hard towards your goals. Man, hard work and effort pay off. That is the answer. So I'll check in with you guys next week.